1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No
2: purchase necessary. VTW, avoid, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast and this is our review of The Courier. Sounds like
1: work. No, tell them I'm in my chair. Yes, he's just walked in.
0: This is unexpected. I can't believe I'm actually having lunch with spies. <laughs> I'm just a salesman.
1: Exactly. You're civilians if the KGB won't be watching.
0: It would be a real service to Great Britain. Yes.
1: What would you want me to do? I'm
0: here to
3: open a door
0: to the top
3: manufacturers in the West. Yes.
0: Well, I'd be putting myself in danger. If this mission was the least bit dangerous, <laughs> you really are the last man we'd send.
1: Make sure you wear it while you're in Moscow. What does this do? Shoot poison darts? Everyone you meet assume they're KGB.
0: Every Russian is an eye of the state. You'll just be a courier. Just a courier for Russian see From now on, you will be selling one thing. The idea that you are an ordinary businessman and nothing more than an ordinary
1: businessman. before they abolish us. I'm asking you to stop going to Moscow. I am asking you as your wife.
0: I didn't want you to be involved. No! What if I get caught?
3: they execute me, correct? We can't get him out. If things were the other way
1: around, Mankovsky would abandon you. He would never leave me to die, and I'm not leaving him. I'm volunteering to bring back the best source of Soviet intelligence you've got at a time where Russia and America are on the brink of nuclear war.
0: Maybe we're only two people. But this is how things
2: change. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Courier, and the story is as follows. The true story of a British businessman unwittingly recruited into one of the greatest international conflicts in history. Forming an unlikely partnership with a Soviet officer hoping to prevent a nuclear confrontation, the two men worked together to provide the crucial intelligence used to defuse the Cuban Missile Crisis. The film is starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Marab Ninides. Rachel Brosnahan, Jesse Buckley, and Angus Wright. It is directed by Dominic Cook and written by Tom O'Connor, here to join me today for this podcast review I have. Nicole Ackman.
0: Hi, everyone.
2: And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Okay, so today we are talking about spies, spies, and more spies, but not your typical James Bond spy, so sorry, Josh, it's not that kind of a (laughs) spy movie here. Uh, No, instead we are talking about The Courier, previously titled Iron Bark, when it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, not this year, but last year, which is where I actually initially first saw it for the first time, and, you know, it was one of those high-profile titles, you know, you saw Benedict Cumberbatch's name tied to it, along with Jesse Buckley, Rachel Brosnahan, and, you know, you thought to yourself. okay this could potentially you know be something so walked in and was very pleasantly surprised by this film I was actually kind of shocked at how good it was because quite frankly I'm not like the biggest Cold War uh, spy like movie fan and we could talk a little bit more about that in a bit here but I was very surprised by this film in a lot of different ways and I've been waiting for everyone to see this movie for a very long time (laughs) And I was hoping that it was going to be released uh, to give Benedict Cumberbatch an awards push this year for Best Actor. Instead, it's being released right now in the spring. Very, very little hope that this will be an Oscar contender for uh, next year. So, as for it is, it's basically a solid spring release right now. Was Is that how you would describe it, Nicole? Is this a solid uh, movie, The Courier, to you?
0: Absolutely. I was very intrigued by this movie because Dominic Cook is a really well-respected English theater director. Uh, he actually did two shows at the Danmar Warehouse, the theater in London that I interned at. Not while I was there, but that I'd heard of. But I really hated On Chissel Beach.
2: Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hated that movie. And and that's a movie that really should have appealed to me. So I was a little bit nervous going into this. I also, Benedict Cumberbatch it was very hit or miss for me, I will say. Anytime he's not doing an American accent, he's significantly better. So that made me feel a little bit more optimistic about this movie. But I really wasn't sure what to expect, especially, like, I think I had kind of forgotten anything that I had heard about it whenever it was at Sundance. But I was really pleasantly surprised by this. I think solid really is, like, the best word to describe it. It's not a masterpiece. It, it's not, like, astounding, but... But it's a very good film. It's very well made. I think it's... I know we'll get into this later, but I do think it's Benedict Cumberbatch's best role. And I think that it does a really good job of sort of bringing enough of the personal into the story that even for people like me who... You know, I'm a big history nerd, but I really couldn't care less about the Cold War. Even I was incredibly wrapped up in it. So I really was surprised by how much I liked it.
2: Nice. Awesome. What about you, Josh? Did you, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, it's not James Bond, but you know,
3: (laughs) no, but it's funny that we've all, you know, sort of are now talking about kind of reservations heading into this movie initially, because I had mine too. I do tend to like cold war stories. I do find myself rather attracted to them, but you know, sometimes they can come across very traditional in their filmmaking, depending on who's handling them. And, Yeah, Cumberbatch is a very inconsistent actor for me. And that was another element that I was a little nervous about going into this movie. But I actually did find myself liking this a good deal. I think that it manages for a lot of the movie to kind of take this cold war setting with espionage and and spies all over the place, but it does manage to bring in a very personal element. Like you said, Nicole, and I found that very engaging, particularly from Benedict Cumberbatch. I do really think that this is one of the best roles, if not the best role he has ever played. I think it's a great performance. And I did find myself really connecting to these characters and to the overall story I think it loses some steam towards the end, and that was a little frustrating. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a really
2: entertaining movie that kind of surprised me by how much I ended up liking it. I'm very surprised to hear you say that, Josh, because actually for me – The movie starts off, you know, in a fairly average sort of way. A lot of character set up. It's a little convoluted, you know, especially if you don't know the true story heading in necessarily. And then the second act, you know, we get to the actual like tradecraft of, you know, spying and, you know, all the stuff that he's doing to report uh, on the other side. And there's double crosses and things like that. But then by the time we did get to the third act, I was kind of shocked. At how much the movie had changed by that point and developed into something that I quite honestly wasn't expecting it to become, which was ultimately a bromance uh, between these (laughs) two characters here. And I thought that's where Benedict Cumberbatch delivered maybe the finest work of his career, quite honestly. And I found that part to be the most engaging. So I'm surprised to hear you say that. Well, I think for me.
3: The third act is when I think the scope of the movie starts to widen up a little bit and the stakes start to really dramatically increase, which I understand. I think for me, it's a little less engaging. And I I really connected with the more, not mundane, but kind of grounded personal side that Cumberbatch was really portraying in the first section of the film. Like, it's this really like, authentic everyman that he has that doesn't really seem like he's the big, important person. He just seems like a regular guy. And I don't think Cumberbatch plays regular people all that often. And seeing that seemed, like, so fresh to me. And I really connected with him. And I think that towards the end, that character starts to go through more dramatic things. And it's not that I'm not interested in it, but it's a little bit more, like, traditional in terms of what I would normally see out of, like, a big quote unquote, you know, acting performance. And that to me was just a little bit less interesting in terms of a character that he was playing. He's still good, but I think the that character and the movie itself starts to raise its stakes at that point. And it just was not quite as interesting as all of the like maneuvering they were doing with the spy stuff, which probably does appeal to me a little bit more. (laughs) I'll be honest.
2: Yeah, because like I mentioned before, I'm not really the biggest Cold War fan in the world. Which I'm, I am. I, I love that era. And and I want to be clear, I'm not talking about the Amazon uh, Best Foreign Language uh, Oscar <laughs> nominee. <laughs> I, I do like that movie. I'm talking more about the genre here. Like, Bridge of Spies is the movie that I know that from most people when they saw the trailer for this or when they even saw the movie, direct comparisons just started immediately, pretty much. And I fully understand that. And I get it. And I I get why. But at the same time, I felt like that movie was very sentimental and almost romantic at times in the way that it presented its era and its bromance between its lead characters, where this one I felt like it was definitely kind of like what you said before, Josh. It was more grounded and it felt more real and just naturally organic in the way that the friendship developed and also how the uh, the things that Benedict Cumberbatch's character has to do throughout the movie. Uh, yes, they felt like mundane, but there wasn't that heightened sense of like like it never it never felt like Hollywoodized. No, absolutely, and that's a lot of
3: what the Cold War was.
2: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like they're trying to portray this as like a action movie or anything like that. You know, it's a it's a spy thriller, and as a result, you're supposed to get thrills from him evading capture or them pulling off these very very intricate ways to communicate and pass over information. Um and some of that even you know, it's like the level of difficulty that's involved in something like that, it's funny because when you watch it in a movie, you might think, "Oh, this isn't really that exciting. This isn't really that exciting." But if you were doing it and you were actually like living through it, it would be heart-stopping. <laughs> I mean, like truly intense and i think like you said before the fact that benedict cumberbatch is such a good protagonist here and how he portrays that everyman quality it does allow for the audience then to relate and thus his worries and concerns and his anxieties become our own and so we're kind of along for the ride at that point so any hesitations that one might have heading into this i think then Completely go away at that point.
3: Yeah, that's what I really responded to throughout a lot of this film is that I really love the tone that it goes for because, yes, it is a spy thriller, but it doesn't really feel like it's trying to amp things up and make it feel superficial in its tension. Like it feels like it comes from a very authentic place. And you get the sense that these are kind of regular people in this unusual circumstance, but they approach the situation very kind of rationally. And the way that Cumberbatch's character gets drawn into this plot seems like, yeah, he's a businessman. He has a cover for sort of like these international connections and this is what he would do. And he kind of enters it not even really thinking that it's, this thrilling spy work. He almost approaches it like it is just another job that he has to do, and slowly things escalate, but it does so in a very natural way that, for me, I found really compelling because a lot of times in movies like this, they try to manufacture tension, and it comes across as very hollow, and I really felt like they did a great job crafting the story here.
0: I agree, and I think it's much less, like, gritty than a lot of spy dramas, And rightfully so, because, you know, as we're saying, like, this is a true story about an actual businessman who got involved in all of this. And there are—I was not ready for how many, especially in the first sort of half of the movie, how many fun moments there are in it. Oh, yeah. Like, when they go out dancing, like, Benedict Cumberbatch doing his little, like, dance in the club, I, like, actually— like giggled, and I was not expecting that to be a reaction that I could have to anything in this movie. <laughs>
2: no, I, I I was also kind of worried about the material being dry, uh, especially, and I I, I kind of lay that at the feet of Cumberbatch, where his charisma and his wit, the way that he just kind of de- like delivers his retorts or one-liners, is something that you know it's not Sherlock. You know, let's be very clear about that, but. It's definitely more entertaining to watch than I think his performance was in something like The Imitation Game where there were like these moments where they tried to like put comedy into that performance and in that film and it just kind of rang as hollow and forced where here it felt very natural.
0: I also think he's a lot more like approachable and charming in this role than he's usually allowed to be in his roles. He tends to play like... He's sort of the go-to person if you have like a really smart asshole character, you're going to cast Benedict Cumberbatch. And I feel like this character is a little bit nicer than his normal role, which allows him to do something a bit different and I think bring across some of that charisma that he has but typically gets used in a kind of different way.
3: It's amazing how charming he is in this movie and how witty he is. And as I said, Mm -hmm. how it comes across so naturally in this character. And I think that's what really makes me want to say that this is, his best performance, like in his entire career, because he's very good, obviously, at being the smart asshole, like you said, Nicole. But just in terms of being like a regular person, it's very hard sometimes. Like, I mean, his name, like Benedict Cumberbatch, like it's hard to imagine he's a, a real person <laughs> at times just from his name alone. And it's so refreshing to see him play somebody that really does seem like he's just a regular guy who gets drawn into this rather unusual situation. And he behaves like a normal person would. And I think that really makes it an engaging character and
2: makes his performance all the more captivating. It's like, he's like a puppy dog and we're just like, good for you, boy. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you successfully played someone that wasn't a sociopath. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of the supporting turns in this movie? Because I know that for myself, I, I was kind of surprised at how much um, Marab uh, Nadeed's uh, performance like kind of snuck up on me. Whereas Rachel Brosnahan and Jesse Buckley, while I can't, it's interesting, because like I feel like they were better than the material that they were given. But at the same time, it wasn't like they were completely absent from the story either. It just wasn't, it wasn't like any kind of a showcase role for either one of them, you know?
0: So... Obviously, I think with this material, just the roles uh, of Wynne and Pinkovsky are the, like, big historical figures that this is really about. And so they're going to be better roles than these other characters. And I don't think that Jesse Buckley or Rachel Brosnahan's characters fall into that sort of, like, um, neither of them are doing the sort of work that we make fun of. Like, it's not... I hate to say it. Like it's not it's not a clairvoyant first man situation. <laughs> um and I like I think that they're good. They're just not they don't have enough really to do for it to be super impressive. But I also was super impressed with uh Marab and i actually earlier was like going through to put into my notes stuff that i want to try and remember by the time we get to our awards next year and i actually made a note to you know keep him in consideration for supporting actor because i think that it is a performance that starts out very subtle but then has some really really nice emotional moments within it and i think that his chemistry with cumberbatch is just really fantastic
3: that's the thing that really sells it for me in terms of his performance. He has just such this warm chemistry with him. And it's this friendship that is really effective. And you really get invested in his story. And, I mean, it movie starts with him. So I, I did really find myself rather... Uh, responding to his performance and i think in terms of like rachel Brosnahan and jesse buckley like their roles i do feel are kind of traditional and the writing doesn't really do a lot to make them inventive but i do think that it comes down to their performances that i find any kind of connection to and i think especially with jesse buckley like i mean at this point I don't think Jesse Buckley has given a bad performance. And, like, anytime she shows up, it's a positive for the movie. <laughs> like, I, anything that she does, I'm I'm here for. And she's another one that has really great chemistry with Cumberbatch. Like, it's the kind of uh, supportive wife performance that we normally get in these types of movies. So, again, the role itself isn't really all that creative. But I just really love the Aura that she exudes, and again, feels very grounded and natural. And even when I'm sort of like disinterested a little bit in what the third act is doing, I actually found a lot of what she does in those scenes to be the thing that kind of pulled me through. So it's not like one of her best performances, but I think it's another example of like just give Jesse Buckley anything, and she will literally be able to make it work.
2: Yeah, that's definitely I think very very true of pretty much anything that she has done so far as well, and. As we uh, mentioned before, Rachel Brosnahan, I just wish she had just a tad bit more to do in this movie. But at the same time, Buckley, I think, impressed me more, Josh, for ex- the exact same reasons that you were saying, where I think she was given a less active role, but she made the most of it. And I mean, like to the point where it was like one of those things where she just kind of like took something on the page that was kind of blah and she made it. Uh, worthwhile uh, to establish that emotional connection, so that this way, uh, there really does feel like there's real stakes here. I mean, if you're not already invested in um, Win as a character, uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, role, then you know she also, I think, kind of helps along with getting us emotionally invested throughout. So.
1: What did you guys
2: uh, think of crafts here? Because one of her thing that um, really stood out to me with this movie was how sharp the editing was and how great the pacing of the movie was. I do think it was paced really well. I, I
3: still have my issues with the third act. I know that I'm sort of alone on that one, but I do think that the momentum does slow down a little bit for me and it's Sort of intentionally supposed to do so because there are very dramatic things that happen that are kind of intended to slow things down. But to me, it did lose a little bit of the the speediness of which the first earlier parts of the movie were able to kind of fly through. And maybe that was just because I was more interested and invested in the spy craft stuff. I you know I just tend to respond to that. But overall, I did think it moved really really nicely. I also really liked. Uh, the music to this. I thought the score Mm. fit the tone of the film really well. And I found that was also really good. Yeah,
2: I can't disagree with that. I mean, it's not going to be a uh, top score of the year or anything like that. But I thought it served its purpose really well. And it wasn't distracting. And it also wasn't uh, unpleasant either. (laughs) So I definitely agree in terms of like kind of heightening up tension or just kind of taking us along on this uh this journey, this uh this mission, if you will. Um, I, I thought that it, you know, did a fairly decent job there. And then also, too, I thought that the you know, like the cinematography of this movie, once again, if I'm comparing it to something like Bridge of Spies, which, you know, we know Steven Spielberg really, really loves his like high key lighting with high contrast, and, you know, him and Kaminsky kind of have like this working relationship that has been very very uh defined at this point. But this movie has got some really really like harsh shadows, really desaturated colors and it's like it's interesting cuz like Nicole, you said before like this didn't feel like gritty because it also has like that slick uh almost studio look to it, but it's not really a studio movie. It's technically an independent uh film, but for an indie film, it looks amazing, I think.
0: Yeah, I actually think the crafts overall are really good. I also think the editing is good. I think the cinematography is good. I really like the score. It's one that I could actually see myself, you know, pulling up on Spotify and listening to. But I also really admire the production design, particularly in the fact that we are sort of in the movie going back and forth between. Russia and the UK a lot. And I thought that, you know, the production design for both was good. I'd also love to know a bit more about obviously Benedict Cumberbatch has like a pretty intense physical transformation towards the end of the movie. And I would love to know like how much of that was him losing weight and stuff and how much of that was the makeup team because I do feel like uh, there probably was some very good
2: work going on there. Not to mention, too, when they show um, the real life uh, win at the end of the movie, you're kind of just like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. In terms of how well they were able to really capture uh, who that guy was through Benedict Cumberbatch in this. And I-, I agree, Nicole. I, too, had a moment where I had to, like, ask myself, D- <laughs> was it just really good makeup? Did, did he really like, and if so, for how long, how become nobody noticed it? Like, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I, it's one of those ones that I'm already like, Uh, I want to see it get, like, shortlisted just so I could hear things from a bake-off presentation Mm -hmm. for the Oscar next year um, about how they sort of did all of that. But I think, I mean, also just overall, the makeup and hairstyling in it is good. Obviously, with this period, you've got some lovely, like, female hairstyles. And you do have them making Benedict Cumberbatch look, you know, pretty remarkably like the person he's playing.
2: Completely agree. I think
0: overall,
3: like, the crafts are... They're impressive. I don't know if anything would ever reach the level of, like, do I need to consider this for, like, personal awards for the year? I don't know if it's ever going to reach that level. But it fits within the whole tone of the movie. Like, And I, I'm glad that you did mention the production design, Nicole, because that is something that is really fascinating when you have to look at, like, the differences between West and East in terms of that era and what, like... Um, what structures look like and what these places meant were meant to communicate to the world and to the people living in them. And, you know, that's always something that you have to pay attention to. And I thought the movie did a really good job of that.
2: Yeah. I also want to just, once again, just one more time, praise the script for this movie as well. Um, Because I really do like that. It is able to balance humor with entertainment with dramatic stakes while also at the same time not making it feel like it is being forced upon us. Like I said, it kind of like develops in a naturally like organic sort of way. And it's is it the most amazing script in the world? No, but I would definitely put it like in the realm of solidly well-crafted.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I really admire, too, the fact that I feel like So often, whenever we have these sort of spy movies, it's kind of accepted that these people are people who sign up to be spies and they know the risks and whatever. Whereas, in truth, there were obviously Win is you know a real person, but there were other people like him who were ordinary people who decided you know had to actually have that sort of moral quandary of whether or not it was worth the personal risk to themselves and their families. And I think that that's something that you don't see explored as much in this kind of movie, and it does a really good job of it.
2: Ask not what your country can do for... Oh, wait, sorry, wrong country. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I really like
3: out of Cold War stories. I know that I am the biggest fan of those types of films out of the group here, and I'll admit part of that has to do with the fact that the roots of James Bond are in the Cold War. (laughs) I I will cop to it. But what I like about it is that it allows for these stories that have a little bit more of a gray area in terms of where these characters stand morally and who is participating in them because everything is so like convert, you know, covert, you have to operate in these sort of unusual circumstances. And that allows you to bring in a whole different range of people to get involved in these stories and to get involved in this intrigue and mystery. And it's very easy to make that, Boring, I, believe me, I know, I've seen my fair share of very dull Cold War stories, but <laughs> there's a lot of potential for some intriguing characters to get involved. And I really found myself invested in this one, particularly because that they really sell how this ordinary person gets drawn into that. And it's harder to write that than you would think. It's very difficult to really sell that. And they did a pretty good job here.
2: Yeah, the only thing that I thought was a little... Eh, I don't know. I mean, you guys tell me, what'd you guys think of like giving him like a drinking problem and like the affair and things like that.
0: I think it was nice in terms of often whenever we have movies about historical figures like this, they get sort of deified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked that they sort of gave him these flaws, especially it did sort of help with this idea that he is an everyman. He's not a perfect person. He, you know, has these personal things that he's also dealt with But that doesn't take away from what he is doing for his country and for this man that he has befriended. So I, you know, I didn't think it was like the most compelling part of the story. But I also did appreciate the fact that they weren't acting like this is some perfect person.
2: Yeah, it humanized him. It made him Mm -hmm. like, you know, more of an everyman and less of a, you know, hero if you will you know exactly
3: yeah and the affair is used within the story to kind of motivate it further because that feeds into the whole mystery element in terms of him not telling his wife things and when she come becomes suspicious Of what he's doing, like, it feels like it comes from a real place of, like, she knows that he has kept things from her before and it's caused problems in their marriage. So it's like he wants to tell her, but he can't. But also him not telling her means that it's feeding this other problem between them that clearly they have not officially like resolved but they are learning to deal with which again goes back to this notion that these are ordinary people that have problems and are dealing with it but you introduce this other element and suddenly it becomes intensified and it never to me felt manufactured or forced that tension it felt like they were using it to build things in a natural way and create this conflict that still to me was interesting like yes it's a little bit more traditional in terms of the structure of it, but I still found it interesting from a character perspective and how it was used to motivate their decisions
2: throughout the story.
0: I also think it sort of keeps her from falling into the, like, jealous wife trope.
2: I think that's that, what I was afraid of.
0: Yeah, but whenever she is questioning him, there's, like, a reason that she thinks it might be that. She's not just like, you've been away from the house a lot, are you having an affair? Uh, You know, she she has a, a real rationalization behind why she would suspect that, which I think made her a bit more understandable.
2: yeah, no, I completely agree. I guess m- the more I think about it, the more I just kind of come back to um I think I was afraid of where the screenplay would take that so much and even though it doesn't ever go into like melodramatic territory. I think I just had this pervading sense the entire time while I was watching the movie of, oh, please don't go there. Oh, please don't go there, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And uh, maybe that's what was like clouding my judgment there on it for a second, but... No, in, in the end, uh, like I said, I think the screenplay handled everything rather well. And once again, the the friendship between the two lead characters is the part that heading into this. And even if you watch the trailer, the trailer doesn't give like any real sense of what the movie is ultimately about by the time you get to the end of it. So it, I think for a lot of people, they're going to be caught off guard by how much more of an emotional uh, journey this is for these two characters. So, for any uh, final thoughts on the courier, Josh, I pass it over to you first. Um,
3: I think I said basically everything I wanted to say. I, this movie, I don't want to necessarily oversell it. Like, it still is kind of the movie that you expect. It's not a, you know, it's not a Bond movie. It's not over the top action suspense thriller. It, this is not the type of movie that you're going to get. But what I think it does so well is that it does work on a character level and. I really respond to that in these types of movies if they're not going to go for, like, high-octane action, and that, I think, is its best element, and I really cannot stress enough how much I think that this is Benedict Cumberbatch's best role. Like, it, it really snuck up on me in terms of how relatable he was in this film, which... It sounds so weird to now say that out loud. Ben and the Cumberbatch was relatable. (laughs) 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 But it's true. Like, he feels so much like a regular person drawn into this very unusual situation, and it never felt forced to me. And to get that from him truly was something rather miraculous. And if you have to see it, I would say see it for his best work to date. Nicole?
0: Yeah, one uh, final thought that I want to share is my favorite bit in the whole film. I think is actually whenever they're at dinner at Wynn's house and his son asks, "Do the Russians really hate us that much?" <laughs> uh, I just loved that. I was like, "Oh, okay, he's going there." Um, but I, I really did like the way that they sort of paralleled the two families. I thought that that was a nice, a nice touch, and I think it also like was effective in showing what it was to live in Russia at that time without sort of hitting us over the head with it. Like I think a lot of movies do. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think I really, really also appreciate the way that this movie portrays male friendship, because I think that that is something that we don't, always see portrayed really this nicely in film. And I think that it does a really effective job at that and a really effective job at sort of making us care for each of these men because of how much they come to care about each other, which I think yeah. is is really nice. But again, I'm gonna echo, I think this has been a Cumberbatch's best performance. Uh, I think it's definitely worth watching, especially uh, even if you're someone like me who doesn't really care for this genre, this time period. It is something different enough that it has something really strong to offer. And I think, you know, all the crafts are really strong. The performances surrounding Cumberbatch are also really good. I... This is one that I definitely will be watching again at some point. Uh, probably showing it to my parents.
2: Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I think I'll definitely be watching it again when it comes time to show it to the folks as well. Uh, Josh, Nicole, just really quickly, Iron Bark or the Courier? <laughs> I mean, Iron Bark is a lot more memorable. <laughs> I think the problem was that like people hear that and they just don't know what an Iron Bark is, so it's like a hard way to sell the movie to people.
0: I mean. I guess I, I get that. But there also was another movie called The Courier in 2019.
2: Yeah, which makes uh, Googling this on the Internet quite fun. <laughs> yeah. It makes uh, it
0: so difficult. So I wish that they'd stuck with Ironbark just because it's more unique. Uh, there would not have been all these issues when I was trying to Google this movie.
3: Yes, I've already like twice now... Went to search for the courier and have clicked on the 2019 movie.
0: <laughs> it's a hard to find information about like when this will be on streaming and stuff because I had a friend who was asking. I was like, all I can find for you is the 2019 one. I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was like thinking to myself, you know, if, I, if Iron Bark was too vague, they could have tried calling it Code Name Iron Bark. I, I don't know. I was like oh. trying to come up with like all these different ideas for it, but it sounds
0: like more of a spy film. <laughs>
2: like... Yeah, I guess so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Like, I
3: get it why it was changed. Like, I understand the Courier does have a more traditional ring to it, and you're kind of aiming for that audience that would go to see something traditional. But I do admit that Iron Bark just sounds so unique, and you hear it, and it's like, what is that? I need to find out more information of it. And I don't know. I do sort of wish they would have kept it, but I understand the
2: change. You know what I would have called it? I would have called it a spy called Ironbark. Bark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: I do think codename Ironbark is a good idea. So, you know,
2: yeah. Yeah. next
0: time you're going to at, at studios, next time you're going to rename your movie, come first to Matt Neglia. Uh,
2: <laughs> Josh, what grade would you give The Courier?
3: I gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, you know, it's not amazing in some places. It is rather traditional, but it does things so well. And I still found myself very entertained and engaged by it. So, yeah, I, I like the movie.
2: Nicole?
0: Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed this. It's something I can see myself re-watching and I think getting maybe even more out of on a second watch. I think Benedict Cumberbatch's performance really elevates what is already a very solid movie. So I, you know, could really see this staying in probably not my top 10, like, of, of this coming year, but maybe my top 20.
2: Yeah, I think this is a very tense and dramatic political spy thriller it it moves with a real sense of purpose and it's really engaging all throughout i i was at a very solid seven out of ten the whole way through and then when we got to the emotionally like stirring climax of the movie i just immediately was like oh bumping this to an eight (laughs) i was like i i was i was so into it by that point i was like man cover batch is performance in the third act alone i was like i and and i know josh i know we like have opposite like levels of thinking on this but for me it was like oh that just pushed it to the top (laughs) so yeah eight out of ten for me um and you know what in the grand scheme of things like when i look back on like the year and everything i don't know it's interesting because i don't know where it will fit with everything else in terms of other movies i would give eights or nines to but yeah you know at at the end of the day a good movie is a good movie and this is definitely a damn well good movie i wouldn't call it a great movie by any means but uh there's very very little that i can point out about it that i would say that is wrong so from an oscar standpoint as i mentioned before uh, being released now in march as opposed to i mean they could have released it literally any time uh last year uh i don't know what are we looking at here because quite frankly at the time I really, really thought that Benedict Cumberbatch could have made a play for actor. Now I'm like... Pfft.
0: You know, I think a lot of it's going to depend on what else ends up coming out this year. Because I do think that he could still be in the running for actor. Uh, I not, not to win it, but for a nomination. Uh, obviously, they've nominated him before, so... You know, I think to some extent they like him. So... I it's it's still definitely within the realm of possibility, but it's not sort of the surefire thing that they could have had if they had released this last year.
3: Yeah, I'm not 100% where Cumberbatch will land in a Best Actor race, because this does come across as like that movie that gets released sort of earlier in the year that initially just sort of goes for like box office appeal with kind of the older specialty crowd, and then maybe it can hang around, and I hope it can, but it's always i mean right now i don't know if are we like actually in march or is this now like kind of the new january for this new year Who i don't knows? know eligibility windows i still hate it <laughs> but so it, there's a lot of room And a lot of uncertainty going forward. But I hope that he does remain in the conversation to some degree because I really do think it's such strong work. And I would love for him to be recognized in some capacity when we get towards the end of this year and getting into the new award cycle.
2: Yeah. I mean outside of that, you know, there was like a brief moment in time where I was like, I can't really see uh, Marab uh, Nidid's uh, going for – supporting or anything like that but i could see like maybe a breakthrough citation here or there maybe but once again i'm worried that the movie will be forgotten about and all of our elements i feel like are elements that are good but maybe not good enough to last all the way until end of the year if that's that's like my main uh my main hang up here is that everything in this movie is good and you know i would be happy to see it get cited by some critics groups but i just I have very little faith that they will remember by the time we get there.
0: I wonder if it could make, like, the, um, you know, the list for makeup and hairstyling. Not get a nomination, but maybe uh, make the, you the, know, short the list. list for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, if they campaigned it right, I think they could make it sort of come back. But, again, it's sort of hard to know not being sure what the eligibility window is going to look like really not being sure what all is actually going to release i i put it like firmly into a it could still happen but i'm not gonna count on it it's it's
2: funny how like here we are a year later and we're talking about eligibility windows and (laughs) when something's gonna release and it's like oh not not much has really changed (laughs) truly all right well nicole where can they find you on the internet
0: you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16
2: Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Courier here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, drop us a comment, rate us five stars, let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.